Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and I know it's been a minute since the last time you and I have spoken, and I want to thank you so much for following the Thrive Bites podcast. And I just want to let you know that there's good reason for that, and let me explain. In almost six months, I've been working tirelessly and diligently to helping people near and far during this tumultuous year that we've had from 2020 into 2021. And I said to myself, what more can I do to inspire and impact others? And you guys know me, I'm all about thriving. I'm all about thriving from a emotional, mental, and physical standpoint. That is the reason why I wrote Thrive Medicine. And that is the reason why I started this podcast called Thrive Bites. And so I decided that I wanted to put together a virtual summit experience, gathering over 50 speakers. That includes physicians, dietitians, fitness experts, coaches, and spanning over five pillars in teaching someone else on learning how to thrive. And I call this the Thrive Formula. The five pillars consist of food as medicine, functional fitness, relationships, community, and resilience. And the reason why I've chosen to do this is because I really wanted to give more tools, more education, and more inspiration. And letting people know that they're not alone and they don't have to be ill-equipped for life and whatever life throws at you, whether it's a curveball, whether it's an obstacle, whether it's a roadblock. And I worked really hard to provide this and I'm happy to announce that it is fully released and it's fully accessible. And you may ask yourself, who is this for and what does it consist of? This is for the individual that prioritizes their health and wellness and also wants to take charge of their own well-being. It's also for the healthcare professional and the healthcare professional student because I wanted to create a summit experience that I wish I could have had when I was in school. The summit experience has over 50 plus hours plus more ranging from culinary demonstrations to fitness demonstrations to scientific medical sessions. And we answer questions like, what is Whole Foods plant-based cooking? How do I start cooking back in my kitchen? What affects my brain, gut, and immune health? What are the tools for my own emotional and mental well-being? How can I be more of service and lead by example? What kind of nutrition do I need to give my children nowadays? To how do I navigate self-doubt, self-sabotage, my inner critic? to what are the best physical movements to increase my mobility, strength, flexibility, and function. And one of my favorites is how do I create more joy, contentment, and happiness in my own life? This summit also works like a masterclass series where you get to learn and further your education. And I do this by providing quizzes with every session and I provide workbooks. And there's also recipes and very, very special speaker bonuses. You'll also have the opportunity to join a private Facebook community to further your growth and connect with like-minded individuals. So if this resonates with you, please join us on this journey to further yourself and take back 2021 and beyond. You can find us at thethriveformula.co. That's T-H-E-T-H-R number five, formula.co. And come on inside and I'll see you in there. Cheers. Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu and thank you so much for being here with us on the Thrive Bites podcast. This is season four and we're so excited for you to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dr. Colin Zhu, double board of family and lifestyle medicine and I interview the best and most passionate health and wellness experts of the industry on this platform and we talk about plant-powered living, emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And this season, we're taking it live, we're taking it on multiple platforms, and we're taking it as a Q&A discussion as well as our interviewing of our guests. So we're super stoked about this, and please remember to like and subscribe down below, and we will see you. Welcome to the next episode. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the Thrive Bites uh, podcast. Um, I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. 
You can be anywhere in the world. And I really appreciate the fact that you spent uh, just a few moments to spend with us. Uh, today's episode is um, excellent. Um, I think it's a topic that you know we can all relate to. And that's how to get the best possible sleep. And um, I have a fantastic guest for you guys today. I'm going to share a short bio. Um, his name is Dr. Dave uh, Shirazi, and uh, basically he graduated from Howard University College of Dentistry in Washington, D.C. He went on to earn his master's degree in oriental medicine from Samar University in 2006. In 2007, he received a prestigious fellowship award from the American, uh, American Academy of Craniofacial Pain, um, an organization dedicated to the diagnosis and treatment of craniofacial pain and sleep breathing disorders. In addition, to, he's also uh, completed over 2,000 hours of continuing education in uh, uh, TMD, which is uh, temporal mandibular disorders and facial pain, craniomandibular orthopedics, and sleep disorder breathing. Um, he lectures on these very subjects um, himself throughout the United States. And additionally, he fulfilled a hospital mini residency in oriental medicine at the China. China Beijing International Acupuncture Training Center, the only institution authorized to teach globally on acupuncture and herbology by the World Health Organization. So um, he has a lot more accolades and we can spend all episode talking about it. So without further ado, please welcome Dr. Dave. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Doc. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Uh, nice I really appreciate uh, you, know, you being with us here on the show. How are you doing today? Doing having a great day. We're living our best life here in LA, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. That's excellent. Uh, yeah, we can't uh, definitely got to be appreciative of the things that we do have. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So, mm -hmm. um, so I find your, um, you know, your story and your background very, very interesting. Um, you know, the topic for today is really about how to get the best possible sleep, and um, it's something that all human beings, everyone on the face of the planet, can relate to, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I think out of, you know, on this podcast, we talk about, you know, the big, the big health pillars, you know, of life, you know, we talk a lot about food, we talk a lot about relationships, we talk a lot about building our emotional resilience and creating a thriving mindset. Mm -hmm. Sleep is one of those really underestimated, under talked, uh, under underappreciated. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely underappreciated topic. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, sure. so I definitely, uh, you know, always, you know, have an opportunity when I can, whenever I have a sleep expert to be able to invite and kind of talk more about it. So it becomes more in our forefront. So with yeah. you, you have so many different interesting and unique perspectives on sleep. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's why I love, you know, going into this session with you, this episode. So let's take us to the beginning for um, those of us in the audience who don't know your background, um, you know, what was the inspiration, you know, for you to go into number one, you know, dentistry, and then also eventually transitioning to, you know, oriental medicine, and then ultimately focusing on, um, you know, things in the head and neck, and then, you know, mm -hmm. sleep, um, sleep disorders. Thank you. Well, um, it's it's pretty straightforward, actually. My mom is a dentist, um, and I was very excited. I was my first job was at fourteen, being a dental assistant, watching her do uh, dentistry, doing a root canal. And I love working with my hands. I love helping and talking to people. So to me, it was it it went really well. And and one of the, you know my whole family is like doctors and dentists essentially. And one of the things I didn't like about traditional medicine uh, to be a doctor was, you know, sometimes your patients can die on you. And that was mm -hmm. something that didn't really appeal to me. I like just being able to do things in a functional way that helps people. And um, so after dental school, I decided to study, you know, Chinese medicine, the first uh, school that, you know, has been accredited in the U.S., excellent training. And they facilitated me doing the hospital residencies in China and Korea. Um, and honestly, it's, you know, I, it sounds bad, but I'm just going to say I did all of it for selfish reasons. Like it feels good to help people in dentistry. It felt good. I, I was studying Chinese medicine so that when I have my own family, I could use it as a platform in which I could take care of them. That was mm -hmm. my, my, my really my number one goal in studying. I actually wasn't going to finish the master's. I actually wasn't going to sit for the board exam. I just wanted the knowledge for me. And mm -hmm. while I was studying and while I was practicing, I was still working full time. Um, I was treating pain and treating sleep and doing what's called functional orthodontics. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the many stories I had was I would make these oral appliances to treat their TMJ problem. And patients would come back and tell me, you know, doc, my migraines are gone. And I thought, well, good for you. I didn't even know you had migraines. They said, no, no, no. When I take my appliance out, my migraines come back. And mm. I thought, okay. I didn't think anything of it. And literally, I think it was a month later, a different patient presented the exact same way. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, well, maybe this isn't a coincidence. So I started to ask my mentors. I started to ta- uh, ask my educators. And they actually talked about um, the relationship between the TMJ tension-type headaches and migraine-type headaches and how, I don't know if you, you've probably heard the term central sensitization goes, uh, how a migraine can be essentially sensitized TMJ disorder, potentially. Mm-hmm. Not the mm-hmm. only reason, but potentially. So I started treating more and more patients like that. And I started incorporating the acupuncture into it and mm-hmm. the, you know, herbs. And, you know, it was so gratifying. It was so pleasurable to help these people get out of pain that they've been in uh, for years. Because the traditional medicines, as you know, for migraine are abortives, which, you know, don't really cure the migraine. They kind of just delay it a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, to actually do something that was very, very helpful in either reducing greatly the number of migraines per year or even eliminating them altogether was to me much more gratifying. Right. Mm. And then so I kind of I kind of went into it on the pain side first. I, that still excites me very much. Um, and then I, I learned um, that one of the reasons why people clench their teeth at night is because of a form of sleep apnea called um, upper airway resistance syndrome right? So then I wanted to go and study about sleep. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. in the sleep world at the time, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, at the time, there was no, um, there was very poor training in dental sleep medicine. It was mostly, here's an appliance, and this is how you sell it, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so then I went to the medical training. And the medical training side was usually CPAP driven, Mm -hmm. and medication driven, which is neither of which interests me you know, to do on a daily basis. So I found this whole world of sleep technology where a sleep technologist is the person that um, they conduct a sleep study, you know, an overnight in-lab sleep study. And I loved it. They were, so these people are are amazing. They work the night shift, you know, so, so they're shift workers, which is challenging in its own right. And they have to monitor 20 streams of data and make on-the-fly decisions for the patient if they're doing a titration. So the, these people are amazing, but they had, they're so much more practically oriented. They're, okay, here's what we do in this situation. Here's what we do in that situation. And I loved it, and I became one, and I was a sleep technologist for five years. Mm. And I opened up my own sleep lab, which I still use for research. Mm. And... Uh, boy, uh, when I realized that sleep apnea could be behind the TMJ problem, we could potentially prevent a TMJ problem by addressing their sleep apnea. That was that was a whole new paradigm for me, which which I really loved. And mm-hmm. now my focus is is on sleep as well as as TMD and, and ortho. And and it sounds clickbaity to say it, but I I wholeheartedly believe this, and I have the evidence to support this. Getting a good night's sleep is more important than diet and exercise, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And predominantly, to make it in as simple a way as I could say it, we have two. We have four stages in our sleep, but two stages in particular, delta and REM, are incredibly important for human uh, survival. Uh, delta is where we get almost 100% of our growth hormone, mm-hmm. right? And one stage of sleep. And then REM is when we do our mental, emotional consolidation, our emotional processing. And we're even finding out, we know so little about it. We're just finding out, like about five years ago, that the brain has its own lymphatic system. And during REM, it processes out the beta amyloid plaques, right? Mm. So there's a huge amount of benefit in getting a good night's sleep. And, And the sleep breathing part, becomes relevant because if you're snoring or you're having apneic events, it can kick you out of those deeper stages of sleep. And the reduction in 
those good, healthy sleep cycles, we call them arousals when you get kicked out from a deep stage to a light stage, can cause nearly any inflammatory disease that you can think of, mm. right? So the reason we can use the word uh, sleep apnea can cause hypertension, can cause type 2 diabetes, and et cetera, is because when we find patients that have both type 2 diabetes and sleep apnea, Mm-hmm. When the literature shows, when we resolve the sleep apnea with either oral appliance therapy, which is what I do, or CPAP therapy, which is traditional therapy, uh, their type two diabetes either goes away entirely or is significantly reduced. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. thing with hypertension. Um, we see hypertension either going away or is greatly reduced. Now, clinically, I know you're a clinician. Uh, for hypertension. You know, there could be obviously many causes, but if you have a hypertensive patient that is on one or two or more, you know, diuretics or just any kind of calcium channel mm-hmm. rock or anything, and you're just barely reeling it in, right? They're like 140 over 90 with the medication, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That to me clinically is the hallmark for someone that has sleep apnea because you're mm-hmm. not really addressing it with the medication because there's another autonomic stimulus happening at night that just carries it over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, super, super, super interesting. Um, especially um, it's in terms of the earlier days when you transitioned into your professional career as mm-hmm. a sleep technologist. Mm-hmm. So I guess a question, a follow question based off of that is why do you think the technology or these functional slash practical applications were not developed sooner? Is it, you know, is it because no one was paying attention? Um, or is it because like the technology, um, the, the equipment, the ingredients or components, you know, I don't know the correct well, vocabulary, you know, wasn't, uh, uh, I guess, up to snuff, you know, um, you no. know during that time? <laughs> no, it's, it's really more the fact of one, uh, technologists need to, like, Doctors do not like to be called in the middle of the night with a technologist, you know, that has a problem they don't know how to resolve. The technologist really needs to figure out what's going on and Mm -hmm. solve it on their own. So it's kind of like the knowledge, you know, begets the necessity, right? And technologists, unfortunately, by and large, are not educators. They're Mm -hmm. not even technically treaters. Um, A technologist, for example, is not allowed after a sleep study to tell in the morning to tell Mm -hmm. the patient, by the way, we diagnosed sleep apnea. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you should talk to your doctor, right? They're not allowed to say that they have Mm -hmm. to wait for the physician to have the conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they don't get that much patient, you know, interaction in the context of this is what you should do. And this is what we found and et cetera. They have to wait for the physician to order a titration study with CPAP or something else. And then they do that also very Mm -hmm. practically. Um, But they're not in a place to have a conversation to tell the public, hey, listen, you know what? If you're having these uh, health issues, maybe you should consider uh, doing a sleep study and maybe you should see if you have sleep apnea and treat that. So, for Mm -hmm. example, like one of the things I love that you talked about was you you talked about how your podcast is about mental resilience, right? Mm -hmm. Mental Mm -hmm. health is number one in my book. That's number Mm -hmm. one. Okay, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, there's been a number of really large studies that talked about the impact of sleep apnea on both depression and anxiety. If anyone wants to do the research on it, you would search uh, psychosocial disorders and sleep apnea. But one study, one of my favorite studies, it was published in JAMA. They they tested over 1,400 patients with PSG. And they gave them, and they were aged between 30 and 60, mm-hmm. and they gave them what's called the Zung's Depression Scale, where they write down how depressed they are, mm-hmm. you know, ranging from, I have sad thoughts once a day, or you know, to I consider suicide on a daily basis, like that, mm-hmm. the range, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they did sleep studies on them. And of these, I mean, 1,400 is a pretty large study for, the, for what this is. And what they found was the relationship with the severity of their sleep apnea and the severity of their depression was one-to-one. Meaning the more uh, depressed they were, the more severe their sleep apnea was, 
right? And we also know sleep apnea is typically very progressive. So mm -hmm. if you, for example, if you're in your 20s- Was there you, a reverse relationship, like a reflexive relationship to that? You so yeah, that so- yeah, so exactly. So it was both like the mild all the way up to the mm. severe. And then in follow-up studies, they've done studies to measure the improvements in psychosocial issues with CPAP or oral appliance therapy. We have, mm -hmm. we have, I, I don't know if it's in the thousands, but the last time I checked, we were in the hundreds of studies mm -hmm. that, that, uh, that support that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah. Hey guys, we're gonna be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, AKA The Chef Doc, and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. On my podcast, we talk about eating and cooking and living from a whole foods, plant-based approach. And between my patients, clients, and my audience listeners, I get a lot of questions of, hey doc, how do I get started on how to set up a kitchen? Or what should I buy? What should I make? Is there something beyond a salad, broccoli, and a smoothie? I know in our fast-paced life and during a pandemic, it is much more challenging to be able to teach yourself and learning how to cook. And so I partner up with Listenable, who is a leader in audio educational courses that are bite-sized. And I went ahead and created a course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And in this course, I put in my best tips, tools, and tricks on everything that I've learned on how to get someone started to eating more plants, getting healthier for you and your family. I talk about how to set up your kitchen from the pantry to the fridge, to the freezer, to how to navigate the supermarket, to what kind of utensils and appliances one needs to have, to what do we need to make, how to meal prep, what kind of cooking techniques there are, and what exactly is whole foods plant-based. And I'm able to make this course over 10 lessons. Each of those lessons are less than 10 minutes long, and you'll be able to finish this in an hour. You could even do it while commuting, exercising, or even walking your dog. And in addition, you can choose from over 3,000 plus original audio lessons created by well-loved experts. Just use the coupon code ColinZhu, C-O-L-I-N-Z-H-U, on Listenable.io, and you'll be able to get 30% off a year of Listenable. So definitely check that out in the show notes, and check out the course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And I'll see you there. Thanks for listening. And now back to Thrivebytes. Welcome back to Thrivebytes. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, that's very, very interesting because, you know, um, you know, like we said, you know, a little bit off, uh, uh, off camera a little bit, you know, it is something that's not really utilized or, you know, underappreciated, understudied. And, um, you know, I'm really glad that you're at least reminding us and reviewing us these studies that have been done. Um, mm -hmm. You know, some of which, you know, we have a lot of healthcare providers that watch the show as well. Some of which, you know, we probably don't even have a chance because there's so much things um, in clinical medicine, um, yeah. you know, depending on what part of the healthcare system you're working at um, that we have to pay attention to. And, you know, and I'm glad that, you know, studies are being done all the time and mm -hmm. uh, we're getting better at doing better studies. So, right. um, so yeah, these are great, uh, great points to highlight. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, transition a little bit and talk about um, how do you incorporate, uh, you know, your additional studies of, um, you know, Chinese medicine um, into sleep, you know, what was, yeah. you know, why, why, how did that, you know, happen for you? And uh, you said that you come from a family of doctors and dentists. Do you have uh, family members that studied um, oriental medicine or traditional? No, no, I don't. And my, I have family members that were deeply upset and disappointed when I studied Chinese medicine after dental school, which was kind of sad. Uh, but then they asked for acupuncture. <laughs> <laughs> later um so yeah it was it was not you know well received by my family who are very much more to one side when it comes to traditional medicine um i incorporated in my practice for both pain and sleep for sleep um you know we have three kinds of insomnia right we have primary secondary tertiary primary you have difficulty falling asleep and then you have difficulty staying asleep and then you have 
you wake up early and you can't go back to sleep. That's tertiary insomnia. So in Chinese medicine, we would go even deeper and we would say, okay, so um, are you having hot flashes? When mm -hmm. it's hard to fall asleep. Are you just have excessive racing thoughts? Mm -hmm. Do you have anxiety? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, do you have indigestion? Do you have acid reflux? We have all these parameters in which we look at it. And then uh, whether we use herbs or we use acupuncture, it's surrounding what the patient is doing with her themselves. So it's like, I don't, I don't prescribe insomnia medication. I'm a dentist. But mm -hmm. I would do acupuncture and I would do some herbal treatment to help them while I'm treating their snoring and sleep apnea with an oral appliance, for example. Mm -hmm. And and I just find that that's something they need. Another thing that could be causing, like, let's say a secondary insomnia could be uh, someone that had what, what amounts to a PTSD in the middle of the night, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes, uh, you know, they'll wake up from a nightmare. Let's say mm -hmm. they wake up at a night from a nightmare from 231 that was extremely terrifying and scary. Mm -hmm. The brain really doesn't know, and the limbic system doesn't know the difference between the real world and the dream world, right? So what I see, I see it every year, where someone will have a dream like that, and then they'll wake up at 231 every morning. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And they have a hard time getting back to sleep, even though they don't have the dream anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. It's sort of like a mini PTSD. Mm. And that's something, you know, we work with cognitive behavioral therapists. We, and this is where the mental health piece connects. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if we're not getting uh, good sleep, um, we're going to have a hard time being able to process anything else that happens in the awake state. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I had a patient I consulted with last week who was on four different uh, psychotropic meds for his anxiety. Mm -hmm. But then the psychotropic meds we know can kick you out of REM and can make you clench your teeth very hard. Mm -hmm. So there was an issue with his jaw with pain and there was an issue with not being able to get a night's uh, restful night's sleep so that we get into this loop where it's like you, you're not sleeping well, so you're anxious, and then you take the medication, which then retards your REM sleep, which then retards your ability to recover, and you get into this cycle that just never seems to end. So, um, so I, you know, I value working with the physician and saying, okay, I would like to do a trial of this. Can we work on a, on a, you know, pharmaco solution that's like maybe a bit more mild and a bit more reserved while mm -hmm. we're doing this so that we can get mm -hmm. a, the result the patients need. And, and so far they've been very open to that, um, both the patient and the uh, psychiatrist. Mm, that's awesome. I like the fact that you, uh, you know, it sounds like you would be working and collaborating with many different types of specialists, not just their primary, but also, Absolutely. you know, obviously sleep medicine, um, psychiatry, you know, I think because at the end of the day, um, it's all connected, right? It um, is connected. And, and and if we can figure out, you know, how they connect, and once we realize that and where the deficiency is, then we can figure out, you know, how to unblock, right? Because that's right. A lot of Chinese medicine is just, you know, uh, chi flow meridians and blockage and having obstruction, right? So that's right. That's um, right. Um, so let's go back to dentistry for a little bit um just to touch on you know really quickly has anything evolved over time in terms of you know you you mentioned you know dent uh the sleep aspect you know of dentistry right mm -hmm. uh, i didn't even know that was a thing you know until you brought it up you know has it changed and evolved over time since you've been in your profession oh for sure for sure um it went from being something that no one knew anything about to something that pretty much every dentist talks about. You know, they know of it. Um, and it's something that is imp being improved upon every day. Uh, the, the processes are not terribly standardized, right? Mm. So there's still continuing, edu continuing education that varies. They have techniques and styles that vary. And so having yourself as educated as possible to me is the most important thing. So, for example, you talked about how I have this knowledge and collaborate with other people. I collaborate also, in addition to every doctor you mentioned, I collaborate with chiropractors, physical therapists, myofunctional therapists. And my mom as a dentist would tell me, why are you taking this course? You know, 
you teach <laughs> why do you why are you doing this right mm -hmm. and and i said well i i certainly don't know everything right and the more tools we have in our toolbox the more we're able to say aha this tool is the is the right time to use it right mm -hmm. so i can know when the right time is to make that referral yeah. And yeah. so with when it comes to training in dental sleep medicine, it's important to have a, a broad eclectic training because not every patient presents the same. You know, sometimes they'll have nasal, nasal obstruction and even that can vary. Right. Mm -hmm. They can have tonsillar obstruction. They have infrapharyngeal problems. And so we as dentists need to know, well, how do I approach this patient? What's first? Right. What's mm -hmm. second? What's third? And then not least of which. Do they have a jaw problem, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason why the offices are called the TMJ and Sleep Therapy Center is mm -hmm. that it's if you bother to look, it's very hard to find a TMJ patient that doesn't have a sleep disorder breathing problem. And it's very hard to find a sleep disorder breathing problem patient that doesn't have a TMJ problem, right? Mm -hmm. And so when, when this whole sleep world came before us, those of us that were treating TMJ disorders with oral appliances, mm -hmm. like this just was perfect for us because mm -hmm. we knew what to do. And more importantly, we knew what not to do, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? The world of oral facial pain in dentistry was sort of like the, the, dark, the dark corridor at the end of the hall that no one wanted to go to, mm. right? We're gonna go straight to a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Hey guys, we're gonna be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu, AKA The Chef Doc. I just wanna take a few moments of your time to talk to you about something. Something that I feel needs to give reflection and pause for. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, I've been on the self-work journey for a decade now. And I remember in my personal experiences uh, through my doctor's journeys and also from traveling the world, I was always searching for the next step or thinking that happiness was a destination. However, it's not. What I found instead was that life was a process and learning about life was also a process and a practice and that the state of happiness and the state of joy and contentment was also a practice for those of you who don't know since i don't share that much on my podcast is that i actually battle with anxiety ocd and in the past episodes of depression however little by little step by step after seeking extra help I've been able to achieve monumental things in my life that I've been eternally grateful for. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is a sponsor of this podcast. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. A couple of reviews. This is by Rebecca Raymer. Becky has literally saved my life by truly understanding me. She has given me self-talk strategies and different thought pattern exercises that have made me stronger and a more aware person. I am so, so grateful to have found her. I've been to so many different therapists and none have helped me like Becky has. This is another review for Adam Johnson. I've had counselors before, both on BetterHelp and in person through work. And Adam, by far, is the best counselor I've ever talked with. I feel like he actually listens to and what is going on. He asks questions to help you navigate your thoughts. And you can tell that he is listening and wants you to help you. 
Visit betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc. That's better H E L P and join the over 1.4 million people taking charge of their mental state with the help of an experienced professional special offer for thrive by listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc T H E C H E F D O C. Thank you for listening guys. And back to the episode. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. All right, so let's pick up where we left off. Um, so I think you had mentioned uh, we were going into the evolution of you know dental sleep medicine mm. and how you were talking about the toolbox and how mm. like, you have a, a toolbox. It's like, okay, this is appropriate for this. Exactly. You know, we were talking about referrals. And I think that's where we left off. We did. And and I just remember what we were um, uh, moving into or what I was moving into, mm-hmm. which was that um, that toolbox became much more relevant when the whole oral appliance world came in for us docs that were treating TMJ with appliances. Mm-hmm. We knew mm-hmm. what to do and what not to do, like where to move the jaw that was safe mm-hmm. um, and w- that would give us the airway that we needed, but also protective of the jaw because the patient still might clench while wearing it. Mm-hmm. So what we what, what was interesting that we see now, and it's mixed, of course, um, is general dentists that are doing sleep apnea appliances in their office will often not have much TMJ training like on how to manage a jaw problem, mm-hmm. but they'll jump to the sleep apnea side. Like to me, it's like, I feel like if you want to treat sleep apnea with an oral appliance, you need to know what you're doing with the jaw first before you get to that stage. That's my mindset. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And because like I said, it's not that standardized. People are just going general dentistry straight to, uh, oral appliance therapy for sleep apnea. And, you know, there can be some challenges as a result of that. Mm. So because of that lack of, I guess, process, do you feel like the difference, um, I don't know if it's the correct word, but detours that you had to make with the Chinese mm-hmm. medicine and mm-hmm. the sleep technology, you know, mm-hmm, technologists mm-hmm. and all these other additional trainings, do you feel like that was mostly you had to do that because there was no straight path to it? That's and correct. you felt like, you know, you kind of had to feel like, oh, you know, this original toolbox doesn't have all the tools that I need. So I actually have to go somewhere else, like a totally right. different toolbox and to gather That's what right. I needed. That's exactly right. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, well, no one else is doing it. So I just better roll up my sleeves yep. and do it myself. Yep. And that's how I felt like it's been. Yeah. And it's yeah. great. I mean, I learned a lot of things on, on the way I've been able to help my family, help my friends, and of course, help my patients along mm-hmm. the way as I learn more and more. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's, a lovely that's profession. Awesome. Yeah, lovely no, that's profession. that's awesome because um, it's very much needed, and um, you know that's you know I'm glad that you have so many tools, you know, um, you know to be able to arm yourself with. Um, which brings me to my you know uh, last you know set of questions is you know getting into the nitty gritty of you know basically sleep. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you feel like are the top three? Uh, reasons why, you know, Americans are not, um, you know, getting enough sleep. And what would you say from your experience and spending so much of your expertise, you know, what would you say would be the top, you know, remedies, you know, for those top three, obviously, everyone's a case by case scenario. But just like, you know, if you can give us from your perspective, trends and patterns, in terms of Americans, you know, like what are yeah. the top three, you know, and how yeah. do we remedy those? Right. So, you know, a big problem we have now are people, you know, being on their devices at bedtime. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. guilty of it too. I, I look as well. Um, you know, we have something called a circadian rhythm that determines when we fall asleep and when we wake up. Mm-hmm. And it's made based on our cortisol levels and that is made based on the amount of light, sunlight that we, we get through our eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, our brains cannot tell the difference between a photon of light from the sun and one from the screen. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all about, like when I wear it, I wear very dark blue blocker glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have a screen uh, blocker that's also polarizing on my phone. And mm-hmm. then I tell my phone between, I think, what is it, 9 p.m. and 6.30 a.m. to go into this uh, low light mode, this dim mode, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a big one. Uh, two, you know, we, we live in a stressy time right now, you know, mm-hmm. with the pandemic. And so people are clenching harder which then, you know, the number one cause of insomnia is sleep is uh, chronic pain. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the clenching will, will definitely kick people into like a heightened state of arousal and make deeper sleep much more challenging. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you say Americans, you know, we are, you know, per capita, the fattest population, I believe, on Earth. You know, England mm-hmm. and Australia are catching up, but still, we're, we're, we're very overweight, myself included. <laughs> and... With that, we know, like we mentioned, snoring and sleep apnea kicks us out of those restful stages of sleep. So getting your sleep checked and then treated is really important. Even Mm -hmm. if you feel like your issue is, no, I think I have more insomnia than sleep apnea. Well, if you have both, Mm -hmm. it's going to be harder to treat the insomnia if you have sleep apnea all throughout Mm -hmm. the night, right? So Mm -hmm. having that checked is a big deal. So roughly... 90% of people in America that have sleep apnea don't know they have it. They haven't been tested yet. Mm -hmm. You know, they Mm -hmm. suspect it, their bed partner suspects it, but they don't have a proper test. And of the 10% or so that is tested, the the option they're given, their first line of treatment is CPAP, right? Mm -hmm. CPAP works really, really well. However, mm-hmm. it has a very poor adherence rate, like something like 50% adherence rate, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a little bit less than that, too. They, their standards of adherence are... Yeah, like, it's clunky. There's a lot of straps and noises. You know, it's just yeah. a very... Uh, it's not that fun from my patient's experience. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, um, you know, both sleep technology and general sleep medicine has not evolved to the point of just saying, I have just the sleep dentist to send you to, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because even the American Academy of Sleep Medicine says for mild to moderate cases, oral appliances are fantastic. Mm-hmm. But for uh, severe cases, you know, obviously CPAP's preferred. But even when CPAP is not tolerated, meaning it's rejected by the patient, Oral appliance therapy is preferred over doing nothing at all, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We we know this, but it's also very challenging to um, get the kind of medical professionals to say you need to find you know a dental sleep expert that's going to help you with your. If you can't do CPAP, you got to do an oral appliance, or you can consult with an ENT to see if surgery is an option for you. Um, and then maybe you can get somewhere. Do, do, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, because that's the other thing is like, you know, 90% aren't tested. Okay. Well, the 10% that are tested, half of them, uh, have given up CPAP roughly. Right. Mm-hmm. So now we have 95% of the population that has it that are either untested, untreated or both. So what would be like if I would if I was an audience member, you know, have no medical training whatsoever, what would be the first, you know, couple of things for me to say like, oh, you know, I should go to my doctor and possibly get, you know, a sleep study for because yeah. for me, my experience to patients is that, okay, maybe, you know, we're addressing your, you know, hypertension, your, mm-hmm. you know, your obesity, your diabetes, all these different ways, you know, the definitely one of the things that, you know, I would send them to for a sleep study is if they snore, you know, some of the times they don't, you know, they don't know if they're snoring, their spouse might complain of it. Um, and it wasn't until actually I had a previous sleep expert that told me that any form, any form of, uh, you know, snoring is actually abnormal, you know, That's which, great. you know, and, and I was like, I was taken aback. So, you know, what would you say in terms of like, okay, when, do, when should I visit, you know, uh, my primary th- to get these referrals? Well, like we talked about, like any inflammatory issue, right? So hyperchlorosteremia, you know, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, depression, anxiety, history of heart attack and stroke, Parkinson's. These are things where that you bring up to your doctor or if you're just having poor sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So usually um, 
adult males and postmenopausal women, if they have poor sleep, mm -hmm. they don't wake up feeling tired. They feel tired um, around 2 to 5 o'clock p.m. That's mm -hmm. when they're looking for the cup of coffee, the Red Bull, some kind of sugary thing, something to stimulate them because they're starting to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, women of childbearing age, uh, typically, if they have sleep apnea, they'll wake up feeling tired. That's mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. I'm making generalizations, but that's, sure, sure. that's how it is. So, but here's the thing. It's like, you know, you may wake up feeling fine, but if you crash around five o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, that is a symptom you need to tell your doctor about. It's like, listen, I saw this mm. podcast. I did some Google research on myself with my Google doctorate degree. And um, <laughs> uh, I'd like to have my sleep tested. And there's two forms of testing. There's an in-lab study, which mm -hmm. is very comprehensive, and an in-home study. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And, yeah. you know, if it's sleep apnea is your biggest concern, I'm fine with people getting screened with an in-home study as opposed to an in-lab study. Right. Mm -hmm. if, mm -hmm. if it's insomnia or, you know, REM sleep behavior disorder where you're like dream walking, things like that, you're, you're going to need to do it in a lab so they can get a good EEG on you. Um, but, yeah, it's starting off with a home sleep study that's easy to tolerate. It's in your own bed, your own pillow, your own environment. Mm -hmm. We're going to get a pretty decent uh, representation of what your sleep architecture is like. Mm -hmm. And then we can go from there and go, wow, OK, well. I've been on this medication for years. I haven't mm -hmm. been able to resolve the diabetes, the hypertension, the whatever. And I go, let's do a trial of CPAP. Let's mm -hmm. do a mm -hmm. trial of oral appliance therapy. See mm -hmm. what happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I find that my blood pressure is fine now, then maybe I can wean myself off the meds. If mm -hmm. I find that my blood pressure is normal in the morning and everything is, you know, my fasting glucose is great. Great. Let's wean ourselves off of that as well. Mm -hmm. So, that would be, or if you're just depressed and anxious all the time and you mm -hmm. want to know, am I getting good enough sleep? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, get a sleep study, then talk to your doctor about it. There's no harm. It's one of those tests. Like, um, like if you get a blood test, right, they have to draw your blood, they have to spin it, they have to have a lab process that it takes time. A sleep study, and especially an in lab study, gives us more data than any blood test. And it's just, you know, it's just we're asleep while we're doing yeah. it, right? Yeah, I love easy. the fact. I love the fact that you know you mentioned about you know I guess what we call food coma, you know, around the two o'clock hour um, after lunch, and you know a lot of people, even myself, you just attribute it to like okay, it's a big meal or you know something very sugary, and mm -hmm. we have to go get this pick me up, and I find that to be very uh, enlightening. So to say like okay, why am I crashing? you know, and not actually realize that, hey, it might be due to poor quality of sleep um, and everything related to that. So that's actually a very good point. Um, last couple of questions is that you mentioned about the oral appliance, you know, so is it not wise to, you know, do it yourself in terms of getting your own mouth guard? Or would you recommend actually going to someone to have it customly fit? Well, obviously, a custom fit appliance is going to be superior to anything over the counter. Mm -hmm. um, the over-the-counter uh, over appliances are designed to be very temporary appliances, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I found out about them is, uh, and everyone kind of knows that these over-the-counter ones are very, um, they disintegrate, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have to throw them away and you buy a new mm -hmm. one and all that. See, the thing is, they don't disintegrate on the shelf at CVS. They mm -hmm. disintegrate where it's wet and 98.7 degrees. So that means we're swallowing the plastic. Right. Mm. And, you know, in a short term situation, that's not going to cause any problem. It's not going to be that much of a hormone disruption or, you know, cancer causing to the stomach or anything like that. But if we're doing that every day for months and years, now we're looking at a potential problem. Right. Mm -hmm. They were not designed to be long term uh, treatments. And mm -hmm. that's why our appliances are FDA approved long term appliances. They're made of materials that are FDA approved. 
and they're designed to work to hold the jaw in the right place mm -hmm. and, and keep the airway open. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you could say I'm biased, you know, that's what yeah, I do yeah, for a living, you know, I yeah. make oral appliances. But, but the long, long term, you know, components of it, I, you know, I didn't consider that like, you know, you're going to be swallowing that. And if it's not the, you know, best ingredients um, or yeah. components for your long term health, it's, you know, something to yeah. consider. Yeah. And it's like, for example, I, I've, I've told people, I go, listen, uh, this, they're like, listen, I snore like a bear. I'm about to go on a camping trip with my buddies or my family and they complain about my snoring. What should I do? Well, it's like, well, it's Thursday. So I don't, I'm not going to be able to get you an oral appliance in time, but go mm -hmm. ahead and pick up one of those appliances, mm -hmm. try them out. Don't go too crazy with pulling your jaw forward because you don't know if you have a jaw problem yet. I'm mm -hmm. assessed you and wear it over the weekend so that you can help mitigate the snoring and mitigate you know the potential disruption to the rest of the people in the in the little cabin or tent so it it definitely has a purpose mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. but as a daily treatment no just have a professional <laughs> make it last question uh melatonin does it work hi doc yes nice to connect with you again uh excellent question about melatonin because it's, you know, it's very commonly used. Not that many people know the limitations of it. But the therapeutic dose is supposed to be between 0 0.1 milligrams and up to 3 milligrams at night. And I hear patients telling me how they just take a fistful of 3 milligram tablets and just swallow it, which is, you know, what they give for patients with Parkinson's disease. It's a, it's too high of a dose. So, and, and of course, it's not something you want to take on a regular basis. You want to take it as needed, right? Because your body will stop making it on its own. And we need melatonin um, to make DMT that's in our uh, REM sleep. So it's a very, very well-needed uh, molecule to support ourselves with. And it does help with sleep if you're having problems uh, falling asleep. But it's not intended to be taken every day or very, very high doses. So really talk to people like yourself, your physician, so that they can find out what's right for them and how they should take it. I hope that makes sense. Um, so again, it was a real pleasure being on your show. If more people want to learn about the subjects that we discussed, um, on YouTube, they can find a one-hour Google Talk that I did. It's really informative. Uh, we have a bunch of testimonial videos on our website, TMJLA and TMJ Conejo. They're both the same website, uh, are chock full of data. So um, if any of your readers uh, are interested, listeners are interested in coming and having their pain and sleep uh, disorders treated, we'd be delighted to help them out. Be well, and I look forward to doing this again with you soon. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrybytes. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.